How dare you speak to me? Hey! We're recording the podcast! Shut up! Good morning to you, wherever you are, because it is Morning Somewhere for January 29th, 2024. My name is Bernie Burns. With me right over there, she's quitting her job via the emergency slide. It's Ashley Burns. Say hi, everybody. (laughs) I never wanted to be an emergency slide anyway. People are always looking to get out. So there's some relevant information today because this is, I don't know if anyone's going to be able to tell, this is a travel day. So I'm actually in Austin, Texas right now as we're recording this. And Ashley, you are in... Scotland. (laughs) And uh, by the time this is out, I will be back uh, like two hours away from being home. And I I can't wait, Ashley. I have missed you this weekend when I have been. I have missed you as well. And also, you're going to be like an insane person when we launch on Apple Podcasts, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which that is coming tomorrow. We're launching on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Um, And and you're going to be you're going to be jet lagged. You're going to be tired. You're going to be all weird. It's going to be fun. Nah, I got this. I got this. The uh, we we were gonna have our first ever uh, morning someone today. Uh, that's one of the things I was doing is in Austin was recording some guests. But we thought eh, it might be kind of weird if we had you know people listen on Apple Podcasts for the first time they go back and listen to the previous episode and it's completely different than every other episode we've recorded. Yeah, I can see how that would be a little bit jarring for sure. But uh, I'm, I'm there's a lot of travel news that's out there right now, and of course, funny things that I remember from travel days. You you mean are there things happening? Are there things happening besides Alaska Airlines? <laughs> well. The Alaska Airlines thing is they've now started flying Boeing planes again. What are their Max? What do they call them? The ones they've started the, flying. They were the 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 seven three seven Max. Uh, some number. There's there's like sevens and eights and nines. I don't know which one is the is the exact Max. I think it's the nine, babe. Okay. Yeah, and they've said they started flying those again. But it, listen, having been on a plane for the first time in almost a year, maybe. Little, little less, maybe like six, seven months. Um, I was definitely checking to make sure it's that part of the plane ticket that I never check, which is what kind of plane am I flying? I actually did it this time. Wow. I wonder how many other travelers are doing the same thing. Probably a lot. Yeah. I'm flying an Airbus, by the way. Just, you know. <laughs> no, but I was talking about a story. Uh, it comes from Mexico City. It was a story about a passenger who decided after four hours of waiting on the tarmac fuck it, and he popped the emergency door and went out on the wing and just escaped the plane. Wow. But the weird thing about it was, this is usually the kind of thing where everyone gets furious at the person who does it, uh, but this is according to AP News, no byline on this, interesting, uh, that dozens of fellow passengers signed a written copy of a statement saying that the airline made them wait for four hours without ventilation or water while the flight was delayed. According to photos of the statement posted online, fellow passengers said that the man acted, quote, to protect everyone with the support of everyone. So it's kind of like a mutiny on a commercial airliner. I'm picturing them just like putting it to a vote on the plane. Like, we're going to get out of here, right? Yeah, we're going to get out of here. And he goes, yeah, pop the exit. Look, have you been on an airplane that's stuck at a tarmac for a long period of time? When they don't have the AC going, it's like everyone's boiling. You just want to know what's going on. They're not telling you anything or they're continuously promising that they're like, it's just going to be a couple more minutes. And then that happens for hours and hours and hours. And you just, you don't know what's going on. And you're kind of like, weirdly, you're held prisoner. You are. You're held prisoner. Absolutely. Uh, I can't recall ever being on a plane waiting for more than an hour on the tarmac. But even that seemed like an incredible amount of time. Yeah. Four hours, four hours on a tarmac, no AC. Look, 
I I understand that it's not legal what the guy did, but I can also see why everyone else on the flight was like, yep, he's the hero. Wasn't there a few years ago, too? Didn't they pass a passenger bill of rights after a, a flight was on the tarmac for something like 12 hours? I think you're I do feel like I heard something about that. I'll look it up. Yeah. And I, I recall, too, there was e- there was even something about, um, you know, that because the plane is just parked on the tarmac. Also, people couldn't use the restrooms for a certain period of time as well. Oh, right, Because you're considered to be like underway. The, right. If you're away from the gate, but not in the air, which is just I mean, that's a nightmare, man. That's a nightmare situation, especially if there's no ventilation. But this whole thing reminded me of <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was back in like 2010, uh, there was a JetBlue flight attendant and he decided to quit his job by popping some liquor bottles off the hospitality cart, chugging them down and then opened one of the doors, popped the emergency slide, slid down that onto the tarmac and quit his job and left. And he became like a legend absolute legend <laughs> instantaneously a legend <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't matter what that guy is going on to do he's a legend he could he could be applying as a flight attendant at another airline and they'd be like you did what yeah you're hired yeah here it is from history yeah history.com on august 9th 2010 JetBlue flight attendant steven slater quit his job in dramatic style by sliding down his plane's emergency escape chute while the aircraft was stopped near the terminal gate at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport. Slater, who claimed his actions were prompted by the behavior of a rude passenger, quickly became a media sensation and a national folk hero. I remember this so well when it happened. We're all like, hell yeah, dude, I would love to quit my job like that. That would be amazing. It's like that that guy who got like a marching band to accompany him to quit his job. Yeah, I mean, this is... Literally the opposite of quiet quitting, if there is such a thing. This this would be on the opposite end of the spectrum as that. Sorry, I'm just looking at this, um, the passenger bill of rights, and um, we might be getting a couple of things conflated. Um, I there, there was an airline passenger bill of rights that was proposed in, I think it looks like 2017. I'll put an article about this in the link dump. Um, but I know the EU did put into place um, a, essentially a passenger's rights. Yeah, because it's getting more and more wild. I just watched, I don't know when it came up, it's probably like a thing in my algorithm where it was a Ben Stiller movie where they won't let him on because his plane or his row in the plane is not boarding yet, but he's the only one waiting in the lobby and then he's like, can I just get on the plane? They're like, nope. And then they just sit there doing nothing and they finally go, now boarding all rows and then he can finally get on the plane. I remember that. Do you remember a period of time when you would get on planes and it seemed like there was a really good chance they wouldn't be 100% full. I feel like that's so far in the, in the past now. I do. I do. I remember uh, I got so lucky on one of my first international flights that I had a row to myself and I got to sleep overnight and it was amazing. And I was like, I was like, this is living. And that was, and then that, that never happened again. No, it's weird. Does it seem like the airlines figured out something fundamental about being able to fully pack the planes with people? Well, they might have just leaned a lot more into the whole like overselling and counting on a certain percentage of passengers to just not show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because, you know, when you're, you know, traveling internationally, it's like I will be in flight or traveling, you know, leaving the front door here to arriving at the front door in Scotland. That'll be on the clock, probably like 20 hours total, which is incredible, you know, to be able to travel across an ocean only takes 20 hours. But 
it is like a, a you know a daunting thing when you're like packing and racing around as everyone does, at least I do on travel days. And there is that thought in the back of my head every minute of, well, what if I, how much would it cost to change to tomorrow? You know, because I could always do five more things here. <laughs> Spoiler, it will cost a lot. It, a lot. And a what lot is that? What is that? Have you ever noticed like too, they, they give you this credit if you don't use your seat or your ticket and they say, well, we'll just issue a credit. And then if you try to use the credit, they go, okay, the difference in fares will be $85,000. Yep. Yeah. That's because the... And they're counting on uh, anyone who needs to fly in that short, on short notice, is willing to shell out to do it because it's an emergency of some kind, or their uh, business is picking up the tab. And it's it's a situation where booking a brand new ticket and just letting your old one just go away is cheaper somehow than using the credit that you got. How does that even make sense? Yeah, it, it really doesn't. There's a lot of things that airlines do that I'm like. Are you sure that's okay? Okay, while we're on the subject of uh, travel, uh, I was thinking about uh, Mush, Ashley. Did you see the article that the San Antonio Spurs mascot, the Coyote, caught a bat that flew out onto the basketball floor? Wait, um, you you mean like a like an like a bat, like the creature, not like a baseball bat? No, 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 not like a baseball bat. So this is once again an article from AP News. No byline. This is really interesting. A bat descended on the court and delayed play after a player made a three-pointer two minutes into the San Antonio Spurs' 113-112 victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves on Saturday night. Dressed in a Batman costume, the Spurs mascot, (laughs) the Coyote, captured the bat with a net after numerous failed attempts, much to the delight of the players on the court. Apparently, there was an incident in uh, San Antonio where bats kind of make their way onto the court on a regular basis. And this this is going to shock you, Ashley. The Coyote previously corralled two bats while former Spurs star Manu Ginobili swatted another to the court with his bare hands in November 2009. What? If you're a Spurs fan, I probably butchered his name. So maybe you should follow a better team. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy, right? So if you don't live in an area with bats, the first thing we learned in Austin as kids where there's an enormous bat population is do not touch a living dead or sick bat just don't touch a bat period if you if you see a bat report it to the police <laughs> yeah it's uh rabies is a huge deal here but it made me think about mush ashley when we moved over to scotland the whole process that mush had to go through in order to go to the uk which was or is a rabies free country yes it was a lot he had to uh he had to have um, he didn't have to go through quarantine. There are some countries where uh, animals coming into the country have to be in quarantine for like a month. Australia is one of those. It's why I didn't take uh, my cat to Australia when I moved there. Um, but coming to the UK, what we had to do instead is we had to get these health certifications. So we had to uh, take the cat um, mush to a vet and they had to uh, give him his rabies vaccine. And then he had to have that vaccine at least three weeks, but no more than one year before we brought him here. And he had to get like a health certification and all this sort of stuff. Apparently in Europe, there's something you can have um, called a pet passport. Uh, that <laughs> it must be a record. I, I know it must be a record of their, uh, I don't know, their vaccinations and health and all that stuff. So you can do they have from- to take a passport photo for that? Oh God, I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> um, uh, and then we had to, get the cat booked on a plane and it like they don't let you put cats 
you know, under the seat in front of you, uh, like they do on domestic flights. So we had to actually like book a place on a, like a cargo flight essentially. And we had to get mm-hmm. a specific one. He, he had to fly Lufthansa because he was flying in the summer. And a lot of airlines in Texas won't fly pets in the summer via cargo because the tarmac is too hot. And so we had to get one that would put the animals in an air conditioned space until it was time to load them on the plane uh, and then leave them there for four hours without letting them go until they escape off the wing. Yeah, the airlines want to maintain that option of being able to leave the plane on the tarmac for six hours, and they can't do that when there's animals <laughs> in an unclimate-controlled hold at the bottom of the plane. Go figure. Yeah, it was crazy. We actually had to like we had to zip tie him into his carrier too. Like it had to be, it had, we had to put a certain amount of food and water inside in like these little dishes um, that could be refilled from the outside. But we had to zip tie the whole thing closed. And once he was sealed in, he couldn't get out. He couldn't have any part of like, you know, his tail or anything that could stick out until he got to us in London. <laughs> the way you said that, it made it sound like we, we zip tied the cat and threw him in a carrier. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a Netflix true crime documentary. <laughs> but there's, we, we've dealt with dumb things like this before. Like I get why it exists. But both of our kids, the younger kids, have had passports since essentially they were born. So you have to take a three-month-old baby to the passport photo place, get a photo of them. They look like every other baby in the world. And then you have a passport that lasts for five years. So when the kid's four years old, there's just this little baby photo. And it's like, yeah, this is the kid, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, the passport control guy's like, yeah, it looks right. Yeah, but it also, uh, I'm going to talk about this Carlin thing before we run out of time, but it also reminds me of uh, when we were touring a place that we were looking at, or, you know, they were showing us a house in Scotland. Uh, We went through a bedroom and there was a dead bat on the ground. And as someone who comes from a rabies country, the person who was showing us around, I came out and said, hey, just so you know, there's a a dead bat in that bedroom. And he walked in there, he goes, oh my, Uh, because I guess he thought I was complaining about the lack of cleanliness. I was just informing him that it was there. And he goes and he stands over it and he goes, oh no, it's still alive and bends down and picks it up. (gasps) And Ashley and I must have had such a severe reaction to that, that he goes, what, what, what? Because we like panicked and went into the corner of the room. And then that's when we found (laughs) out that the UK is rabies free, I guess. (laughs) We were were so freaked out. Even like thinking about him bending down to pick up that bat freaks me out just in memory. Yeah, it's weird. It's just the context of, you know, where we came from versus where, you know, he's used to growing up. He doesn't even think about rabies. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's an interesting thing here to be like, yeah, bats are, you know, to not worry about bats because, well, bats are everywhere, frankly. Yeah. Well, quickly before we go, I do want to talk about this, uh, the Carlin AI special has had a major development. Um, and there's been some other news stories that kind of go along with it. Uh, the first thing is uh, a lawsuit has been filed by the uh, state of George Carlin against the Dudesy podcast or whomever, whatever production company makes that podcast uh, has sued him. And there's already been court filings that now have said explicitly that the George Carlin AI special that was made and was presented as being written by AI is now in court documents as they are saying it was actually written by a human, which was interesting because our subreddit and some other forums were talking about this and people were saying, you know, perhaps this is Will Sasso just doing an impression. Perhaps this was written by people. And there were people that were very angry about it saying, no, this is AI and this, that, and it's one of those things where 
I hope we as humans will not continue to yell and scream at each other about these kinds of things, because this right here is the main issue I think that's facing us with AI right now, which is what is real and what is not real. Even beyond the discussions of essentially raising the dead or using protected IP, we need to be able to know what's real and what's not real. And we shouldn't be very angry with people, especially when you turn out to be wrong a week later. Yeah, this um, lawsuit is really interesting because uh, the if it turns out that it, it you know, well, I mean, they've already admitted, I guess, that uh, that it was, in fact, written by a human. But then it brings up a completely different issue because it means that the, um, you know, these uh, performers were doing like breaking a completely different set of rules, which was to make something and then present their writing as George Carlin. You Unless I mean? that was part of the project, right? That maybe that was part of it as well. But we also see that as well with like extreme fringe newscasters that when they get dragged into court, one of the first things uh, that's said on a regular basis in court documents is the person that I am on camera is a character and no reasonable person would think that what I'm saying is facts, which is interesting when they're presenting themselves as a news personality. And that's happened a couple of times. It has. It's happened a couple of times. And that's not an AI doing that. That's a human. And likewise, uh, the Pokemon company recently put out a statement, I think two days ago, where they said they were actively investigating people who were using the Pokemon IP uh, on, on major projects. And everyone knows they're talking about Palworld. So here's now Pokemon looking into it. And now we are having the conversation of maybe the idea is the thing that we should be protecting beyond AI generated art and beyond assets being used, maybe we should also not instead of those, but also in addition to those also be thinking about the overall world and the general idea. Once again, that's humans doing that, but this is something we're really worried about AI doing, but here's an example where humans are doing it on a mass scale. But on, um, on like the sort of flip side of that, um, there was the whole, uh, there was the tattoo lawsuit with, uh, with Kat Von D right. where she, she tattooed a prominent jazz artist, um, image onto one of her friend's arms and then the uh someone who took a photo of that jazz artist that the tattoo was based on um sued uh that it was a copyright infringement and that just came back uh i, I think it was recently with a uh, um that there the the jury decided that was fair use if i'm going to use modern terminology here ash with this here is a human artist scraping the art of another human and using it to create new art, you know, if you take the, the you know, words artificial intelligence out of that and just replace it with human, this kind of thing is going on all the time, you know. And so we have all these same court cases going on at the exact same moment, and they don't seem really connected on the surface, but they very, very much are below the surface. So it's just an interesting time. And the big takeaway that I have is, you know, humans yelling at each other online thinking they have the right take the first time they see something i just don't think that that's going to be the way going forward at all all right any closing thoughts on any of that ashley i think if anyone is gonna figure out this whole ai thing from a legal standpoint it's gonna be taylor swift oh, if, God, if anyone's yeah. gonna like if anyone's gonna like take up the torch it's gonna be swift and the swifties i saw i and it's really interesting how the swifties are using like the human hive mind to combat deep fake porn that was made of taylor swift by like flooding the hashtags to hide and obfuscate that so it's an interesting human approach of like almost like distributed computing to fight this you know whatever is going on with these bots trying to disseminate all of this deep fake porn so yeah interesting times to say the least all right well that's gonna do it for us today i do want to remind everybody 
that we are debuting on Apple Podcasts tomorrow. And later this week, we will have our first Morning Someone, which is our first guest. And actually ties into some of the things we talked about today, especially one individual in particular. Ooh, exciting. All right. Well, that does it for us today, January 29th, 2024. We will be back to talk to you tomorrow on Apple Podcasts. And we hope you'll be there as well. Bye, everybody.